might be a Viking or a Saxon or a Roman, but tell me, do you like them? Would you sex them? Would you bone them? Would you go to bed with King Ethelred? Would you bunk William the Conqueror up in the sheets with Samuel Pepys? Mussolini was a meanie, led a fascist insurrection, but does he make you creamy? Does he give you an erection? Would you pork Richard the Duke of York? Does a boner start when you think of Bonaparte? Are you sexually aroused at the thought of Pol Pot? Historical hot or not? Hello and welcome to Historical Hot or Not, the podcast that burns the effigy of history on the bonfire of genital-related humour. My name is Aidan McCaffrey, I am not a historian, and this is... Catherine Mather, and I am also not a historian, but we are comedians and we are horny for history. This episode, as we will soon discover, is also a special episode to coincide with something that happens every year, around November time. My birthday. <laughs> Black Friday, baby. Would we fuck the Black Friday sale? <laughs> it's none of it. Would we fuck my birthday? <laughs> Shall we tell the good people what the fuck is going on? I'll do it, because it's you're driving. So I shall be the navigator. This is Historical Hot or Not. Each episode, Kath and I will take it in turns to pitch to the other co-host, a person from history. We talk about their life, we look at photographs of them, or pictures, or oil paintings, or cave drawings. And we decide at the end of the episode that based on all these factors, looks, personality, whether or not we bang them. And that's what we're going to be doing today in a Mm -hmm. special topical well, not topical. Date appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it would be topical if it was released in about, what, 1605? But <laughs> yeah, I'm going to open my e-troth app and look at a photo of the person. Yeah, and listeners, if you want to play along, the, the photo's uh, in the show notes. So, Kath, who are we doing today? Mm, so, e-troth is, of course, an entirely real and not made up dating app full of uh, historical people. Uh, today, we are um, pitching Guy. He is 35 and he's from York. Here is a uh, picture of him there, Aidan. Uh, let me know if um, if he makes you dick work. So the fashion of the turn of the 17th century, it's never been my bag, really. Big hat mm. with a very wide brim. Top of it's so tall, it just looks like an upturned, I don't know, pedal bin on his head. And then mm-hmm. such an elaborate collar coming out. They just look like tea cozies that are sprouting out of his neck. Very serious look on his face. I will say he's not bad looking by any means. He's got very strong features, no. got a serious eye, has reddish hair, big long beard. I would say he's hot, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like the fashion. And I say this as someone who fashion's never been a big thing to put me off, like someone sexually. They could probably show up in a NASA spacesuit and I'd probably still bang them. But this fashion that he's got, this turn of a century fashion, it's not for me. I'm fairly sure what my answer's going to be. <laughs> At the end of this episode. <laughs> so for the sake of tension, I'm going to say, yes, I would have sex with Guy Fawkes on a purely superficial basis. What do you think, Kath? Yeah, yeah, I totally would. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, every depiction I've seen of him, hot, yeah. Yeah, if you expire at 35, there's not going to be a bad version of you, is there? <laughs> like, if you live old, then you're gonna, there's going to be more opportunities for a bad picture. That's why Jesus was always so hot. He died. No, close. 33, ripped on a cross, ab showing. In his prime. And I think we all absolutely would if we got the the chance. Oh, yeah, just for the bragging rights, right? Exactly. Mary Magdalene has them, I think. Mary Maggers. Mag's got those abs. All right, so you're saying saying that you would bang him. Uh, I'm also saying that I would bang him. We would fuck forks, but would we? Let's see if his personality matches. What could he have possibly done that might be off-putting? Have you seen the bonfire night uh, celebrations in Lewis? No. On the south coast. So I'm not saying that they are backwards at all. (laughs) However, Google Lewis bonfire night. What the fuck? And tell me, right? What the fuck? Holy fuck. It's like a cross between the Mexican Day of the Dead and a white supremacist march. Mm. So what it is, it's like this this really small, it's, it's a beautiful little town on the on the south coast, uh, sort of near Brighton where, and um, I think all the trains stop at about five 
and the roads close. I don't know if I made the roads close enough, but I know that the train stop about five. No, they must close because I'm seeing photos of people marching down high streets. Yeah, when you're in Lewis for Bonfire Night, you aren't leaving. You're there for the <laughs> night and shit gets crazy. It's the part of you that you'd be there lighting your burning cross going... <laughs> Gareth, does this burning cross make me look like a racist? <laughs> no, you're right, pal. Get that fox mask on. We're going to go down the high street and then do... Uh, t- they do they fill barrels with tar, set them on fire, and see so you can run the furthest. <laughs> that is insane. It's mental. It's fucking mental. I want to go, and I also don't. I'll take you, and I can throw you at them first as a Catholic. <laughs> I'll have time to run away. Imagine if you just waltzed into this not knowing what it was. Like, let's say you or I got booked for a gig in Lewes on November the 5th. Imagine just going, gig's done, jobs are good in, you exit the venue, and you just see a, a whole barrage of flaming crucifixes going by. You, you would literally yeah. think, are we doing lynchings now? Is this the result of Brexit? Mm, and nobody else ever seems to be surprised. And I don't <laughs> get it. I just don't want to be photographed near, say, a burning crucifix in case, like, say, I one day run for office. And that's like the October surprise. Images of Aidan McCaffrey at white supremacist rally emerge. And I'm like, no, it's just the lose bonfire night. It's just mental down there. It <laughs> doesn't mean anything. And I would have to go down with you as well, like, just through connection. Yeah, I'd drag you down with me. There's, yeah, there's no way I'm editing this podcast on my own. So. Oh, at all? Um. No, no, never. <laughs> Look, no, I offered to. You and did, you actually, were like, I... but you'll do a shit job of it. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't say do a shit job at it. I, what I said was, no, I've heard you with a podcast. That's not quite the same. <laughs> no, it is. Um, <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. I do like you with a podcast. I just know you don't edit it at all. No, no, in absolutely no way at all. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we should probably do the podcast now. Yeah. Historical hot or not. So Guy was born around the 13th of April, 1570 in Stonegate, York, to Edworth and Edith Fox. He was the second of four children. Edward was a proctor. I thought this was something to do with arses, but it turns out it's something like an advocate. An advocate for arses? Yes, an arse advocate. <laughs> Edith was a woman, which back then was enough. His great-granddad on his dad's side had been a prominent merchant and the Lord Mayor of York. His parents were regulars at church, and while his father's parents were also C of E, his mother's family were recusant Catholics. Uh, recusant means uh, that they didn't convert when the crown told them to. <gasps> and as such, they faced an awful lot of discrimination. Uh, how much discrimination have you had for being Catholic, Aidan? <laughs> genuinely, this is genuinely true. My school was Catholic, and we had an associated sixth form uh, with another school down the road, which was Protestant. <gasps> and genuinely, when this they first uh, became an associated sixth form in the late 90s, it was held up in press nationally. Because it was around the time of the Good Friday Agreement. Oh, right. It was held up as like, this is a sign of two religions overcoming their conflict to come together. It glosses over the fact that it's happening in Harrogate, which is not known as being a sectarian hotbed. You know, it might have had more cachet as a a motion towards peace if it was happening in parts of Scotland or in Belfast. Mm. But no, it was just happening in a posh town where no one was particularly religious. Honestly, the most prejudice I had as a Catholic was uh, sometimes the Protestants, kids, boys in sixth form, they'd like flick condoms at us. Because you're not allowed to use them. And we'd sometimes call them orange scum, which again, if you were actually in a sectarian town, might result in some cars being blown up. Mm -hmm. But if you're growing up in a privileged town where that thing doesn't exist... It's just a bit of a lark, isn't it? Yeah. So is that why you're a father of nine now? <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Got, got, got to go and feed my uh, my kids after this. <laughs> Put them all to bed. Get the trough ready. <laughs> my dad genuinely is one of ten. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Guy attended St. Peter's School in York, where a governor of the school had spent 20 years in prison for recusancy, which is insane at that time, because, I mean, it was a death sentence going to prison, so being able to actually come out, fuck me, good on him. And interestingly, this is one of the few schools in the country that doesn't celebrate Bonfire Night out of respect of their former pupil. 
Um, so a following school, he went into the service of Anthony Brown, first Viscount Montague, who sacked him because uh, he didn't like him. Uh, so he went to work for his grandson a short while later, Anthony Maria Brown, second Viscount Montague, before joining the military in October 1591. Aidan, have you ever had an employer hate you? <laughs> I mean, the, the the bosses that hate me tend to be they've hired me knowing I'm not qualified for the job mm-hmm. because they don't want to spend money for someone who's actually qualified to do the job. Yeah. And then sort of acted like it's somehow my fault yeah. that all these double heart bypasses went wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? They knew I didn't have any years of, of GP training or doctor training or surgery training. You'd not done the heart module. So if the NHS hates me, it's their own goddamn fault. Mm-hmm. Guy, with the uh, the funds from his estate, went to fight for Catholic Spain against the Protestant Dutch Republic in the Eighty Years' War, which had started in 1566-1568, so they're about 23 years into it. Do you think that you go to war, <laughs> go and join a war that had 67 years left on it? No, it's like, I mean, I mean... I'm umming and knowing about whether to see this three and a half hour Martin Scorsese from Colors of the Flower Moon. I mean, don't do it. That should be a TV series. Yeah. With this 80 year war thing, this sounds like fucking director's cut of Killers of the Flower Moon at that length. You want to think a war is winnable, right? Yeah. And I think I would join in the last five years max. Preferably one. You want to be the person who is in the statue mm-hmm. of them raising the flag in victory at the end. Yeah. You don't want to be one of those people who's just among those first waves of World War One sh- soldiers mm-hmm. that are being sacrificed because they think if we sacrifice 100,000 lads, we might be able to get a good couple of inches towards their trench. That's what she said. <laughs> Back on brand. Thank you. <laughs> Guy became a junior officer. He fought well at the Siege of Calais in 1596, and by 1603, he was a captain. A, a captain. Um, yes. <laughs> In 1603, he travelled to Spain along with fellow plotter Thomas Winter to seek support of a Catholic rebellion in England. While he was politely received, the court of Philip III said no, as uh, they wanted to make peace with England, not go to war times two with them. At this time as well, he decided to adopt the Italian spelling of his name, Guido. I, I don't know how I feel about people who fuck around with their own name like that like hitler he was like people call me wolf did anyone call him that it's the first time i've ever heard this yeah i think well it's the wolf's lair it's the only relatable thing i've ever heard hitler do because i do insist that people call me aardvark mccaffrey mm-hmm. i probably could have picked a better animal mm-hmm. but i didn't really want to change my initials so aardvark mccaffrey it was well yeah you have got it sewn into a lot of your clothes haven't you Exactly, and I call my podcast studio that you're looking at now the Aardvark Slayer. Mm -hmm. The air hole. (laughs) (laughs) I actually am going to start calling it that now. Bringing to you live from the air hole, (laughs) it is historical hot or not. (laughs) Broadcasting from the Beaver's Quim, it is (laughs) Catherine Mather. (laughs) How are you doing, Catherine? (laughs) So the following year, April 1604, Guy became involved with a group of English Catholics. No led by Robert Catesby, an Oxford graduate, uh, described by his peers as a good-looking man about six feet tall, athletic and good swordsman. His plan was to assassinate King James VI slash one, depending on who you ask, forcibly raise his daughter Catholic and replace him with his daughter, Princess Elizabeth, who went on to become known as the Winter Queen because her husband's reign in Bohemia lasted one winter before they got exiled. I would... A hundred percent, absolutely watch that TV show. Five Catholic brooks trying to raise a princess after <laughs> killing a dad. <laughs> it'd be great. It would be like a sectarian three men and a baby. <laughs> yeah. Five crazy bachelors have hatched a plan to kill the King of England and change the monarch to a Catholic. But first, they need to change some diapers. Five men and a princess. The hit comedy coming to cinemas soon. Hang on, they were going to, they wanted to kill the king and replace the king with her, and she will rule in her own name. Or are they going to sort of put a James the Sixth goatee mask on her and be like, <laughs> "It's still James the Sixth, trust us." I know 
his voice has gone a bit high. He's sort of had a reverse puberty where his voice has dropped and then gone back up an octave. But we can assure you it's definitely James the Sixth. No, I think so. because she was Protestant and they were like, we'll make her a Catholic and then we'll pop her back on the throne and then there'll be a Catholic in charge, which is adorably naive, isn't it, really? That's like if I said, I'm going to kill Rishi Sunak. And then I'm going to put a Labour guy in charge. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'd just go to prison and then they mm. just vote for some of the Tory fucker to be Prime Minister until the next election. Yeah. Like, how good are you at hiding a princess that nobody would find you in however long it takes to raise a princess? Kath, you've got no idea how big this a-hole is. I've, I've got fucking... <laughs> I've got princesses coming up my ass in here, seriously. I'm ready to go. <laughs> You're soundproofed airhole. I've got a princess for every member of the G8 countries in here, and uh, I'm just <laughs> biding my time. On Sunday the 20th of May, 1604, in the Duck and Drake on the Strand in London, first meeting of the conspirators took place. I swear I've done a gig at the Duck and Drake. Well, no, the building's gone. Um, oh, fuck. It's now home to Thanet House, which is a flexible office space. <laughs> We work. Uh, and they're, they're quite proud of the fact that that's where the, uh, they all got together. But uh, the first group of people, uh, I feel like I should name drop them all, Robert Catesby, Thomas Winter, John Wright, Guy Fawkes and Thomas Percy. On the 9th of June 1604, Thomas Percy uh, was his patron, the Earl of Northumberland, appointed him to the Band of Gentlemen Pensioners, which was a mounted troop of 50 bodyguards to the king, which in retrospect, may have been a mistake. <laughs> There's a person who regrets giving Abraham Lincoln those theatre tickets for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> theatre tickets. It's perfect. And this John Wilkes Booth actor is supposed to be the, the new Daniel Day-Lewis. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, we'll go watch Hamilton. We'll have a few pints. It'll be great. <laughs> it's going to blow his head off, this thing. <laughs> Thomas Percy was given a house as part of this job by the Prince's Chamber, which was near the House of Lords, and Guy Fawkes posed as his servant uh, under the pseudonym John Johnson. <laughs> I love how fucking shit that is. <laughs> Me too. What would your fake name be? Obviously James Jameson, because I can't be bothered <laughs> to think of two names. <laughs> it's like Duran Duran. Just, mm -hmm. just parents went with both. I only need one. I'm like Cher, I only need one name. Uh, <laughs> I think you could get away with that, you know. I don't think you would have 20 years ago because there was a rapper now called Dave and there was a TV channel called Dave. Genuinely, I just think if you you were just Kath, as long as you're the first one to do it, I think you'll get away with it. Yeah, the old names are coming back in again, aren't they now? Oh, yeah. I've got a whole stand-up bit about this, how baby names are all called like Edith and Agnes and all this stuff, which is yeah. going to mean pop stars. Pop stars now are like called Charlie XEXEX. But in 25 years' time, they're going to be called, like, Dorothy Smith. Yeah. Vera. Vera and her cover of Wet Ass Pussy. <laughs> I don't like that song. I think that it is a bad song. But I love that it pisses people off. <laughs> it pisses the right people off. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. Really? I played it to my wife, and she genuinely was shocked by it. Like, just, <laughs> you could see it as, as she listened to it. She sprouted a Victorian gown out of her flesh. and went, oh my God. <laughs> Just like reverted all her morals back to about 1870. I get that. <laughs> the plotters hired Catesby's lodgings in Lambeth to store gunpowder uh, and supplies, which they would row across the river under cover of darkness. In October 1604, Robert Keyes, described as a desperate man, ruined and indebted, was included in the group. Uh, and in December 1604, Catesby's servant, Thomas Bates, was included after he accidentally found out about the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how he found out. Like, Because was he at the house and he went, this goblet of ale has gone straight through me. Uh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Which one is it? Uh, upstairs, door on the right. Do not go on the door on the left. It is the door on the right. <laughs> and they've sort of forgotten that he does. this guy doesn't know his left from his right. It's like, uh, why do you got 20 metric tons of of gunpowder up there you know you're not planning on blowing up the houses of parliament are you it's like oh, you're in our gang now whether you want to be or not why have you got all these barrels with tnt written on the side <laughs> the plotters had initially hoped to blow up the house of lords in february 1605 however the reopening of parliament was put back until october 1605 due to the plague 
So it wasn't because they were like, if hypothetically this turns into an annual celebration, I think the the public of Britain would rather have it earlier in winter when it's still a bit warm rather than later in winter where it's absolutely freezing. And I think that was very considerate of the gunpowder plotters. Yeah, it was really nice of them. Thank you, lads. The reopening of Parliament was put back until October 1605, but then by March 1605, three more people had been admitted to the team. Uh, Robert Winter, John Grant and Christopher Wright. And that's all we'll hear about those guys. Do you reckon they had like an Ocean's Eleven style recruitment sequence oh, where so. uh, some cool fast bass music was playing where they were, gonna, they were like, we're going to need an explosives guy. That's KTB. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Yeah, I think it probably was kind of like that. Do you reckon that you joined the team? <laughs> Are you asking me if I would assassinate a UK Prime Minister. Yeah, I mean, if this was, if someone came up to you with this kind of thing, whether you like the person or not, like a high-profile assassination, do you want in? The idea of being one of the lads, it's quite intriguing. Mm, It's exciting. I don't really want to kill a Prime Minister. I don't even want to kill the worst Tory Prime Minister. I don't really want to kill. It's not my bag. I'd suck at it. But but if it gets me into the the weekly lads Mm five-a-side, we've all been at a new workplace where we're struggling to fit in. And you find out their thing that they do on a Tuesday night. And say, well, I'm not, I'm not really into assassinating literally every single sitting member of parliament at the same time. But I want to be one of the boys. You do what you have to do, don't you? Um, <laughs> the story goes that they've been digging a tunnel from Percy's residence to beneath the House of Lords. However, there was no evidence of this, which suggests that it might have been a fabrication. On the 25th of March, 1605, they purchased the lease for the undercroft of the House of Lords, which is absolutely insane to me. (laughs) In those times, people lived much more closely to the building, and it was just like a mishmash of buildings and, you know, shops and stuff. Can you imagine that? ISIS in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue sub-rental controversy. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, I guess no one had ever done it. It wasn't like it was to do with high fences and armed police. It was, you know. As long as they meet the deposit, as long as you get that grand up front. Shall we get the police to do a check on them? Hold on a minute, what's the police? <laughs> no background checks in 1605. No, you don't need to pay 30 quid for a DBS. Just very, very loose rental policies. Initially, they bought 20 barrels of gunpowder, and then... Uh, in July, they got another 16 of them. In October, they finalised the plan. They went back and they found out that it had all decayed, so they had to buy more. <laughs> <laughs> but they decided that Forks was going to light the gunpowder, whilst an uprising in the Midlands would secure the kidnapped Princess Elizabeth. I love how inept terrorists are. Chris Morris said when he was writing Four Lions, part of the reason he wrote it was because he got really into reading about failed like post-9-11 terrorist plots, and the thing that made him think he could make a comedy film about it was he read about these some kind of jihadi terrorists who loaded a boat with so many explosives that they sank the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, no one checked the expiry date on the gunpowder plot very much has those vibes. Probably it up with. Plus, it's, I mean, it's going to be like a damp basement, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, but they were so cheap. Guido, they were fucking cheap because they were past the sell-by date. It's only fucking March. I'm not doing this thing for the six months. It's all right. They reopen it in October. Will be grand. Yeah. No, they're pushing it back to November. For fuck's sake! <laughs> if they push it after Black Friday, we could get a stonking deal on twenty barrels of TNT. <laughs> These guys are blowing themselves and a couple of sheep up running across a field, aren't they? <laughs> I haven't killed the king, but but I have blown up a crow. So, fuck mini baby bells. I should say, Kath and I are, for comic purposes, interchangeably saying TNT and gunpowder. We both know that TNT was not invented for for another couple of hundred years. It's just that my knowledge of explosives comes from Crash Bandicoot, and it was either TNT (laughs) or Nitro. And my knowledge of TNT comes from Roadrunner cartoons. We're comedians, not historians. (laughs) Or weapons experts. (laughs) Um, So... I always wondered, what was the exit strategy? What was the plan? What was the thought process? Apparently, the thought process was simply that Fox would then escape to the continent where he would get their sto- side of the story across. <laughs> I mean, if that was now, just start a podcast or spend years laying down some anti-MSM bullshit like Russell Brand so that <laughs> when the truth finally comes out, you can be like, see, I told you, they're coming for me. They've always been coming for me. 
Don't believe the lies. All I did was blow up 300 and odd people. <laughs> now I'm in Mallorca. You can't catch me here, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're working on this for a good couple of years, or like a good year, aren't they? Yeah. It's like arranging a bank robbery for 18 months and at no point going, maybe we should have a getaway car. Mm. Just going, I'm just going to get an easy jet flight to Malaga and uh, hopefully they'll accept my side of the story. I mean, it's going to get a little bit more ridiculous. Um, So on the 23rd of October, 1605, Lord Monteagle, who was Francis Tresham's brother-in-law, was handed a letter telling him to keep away from the reopening of Parliament on Tuesday the 5th of November. (laughs) <laughs> For no reason at all, maybe don't be there. Lord Monteagle, do we think he mentioned it to his pals or not? I think he wrote to Parliament and said, I think you should invent the police and then get the police to investigate this highly suspicious thing that looks like terrorists are going to attack the Houses of Parliament on November the 5th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he mentioned it to some guys. Uh, yeah. And then some guys mentioned it to some guys who mentioned it to the king. Um, You know how it goes. Oddly, the conspirators were aware that this had happened because one of Lord Monteagle's servants had informed them, but they just decided to crack on anyway. Do you know why I think they did that? I've tried on two occasions to range stag do's and it's a fucking nightmare getting like 12 guys to all say yes to the same date. Yeah. And then someone throws a spanner in the works and you're like, oh, we've got the Ryanair flights. (laughs) We're just going. We'll book the Airbnb. It's happening on this day, come rain or shine. And I reckon that's what's happened here. Guy Fawkes will have set up one of those little online polls. 12 of us said we could do November the 5th. I'm not going back to the admin stage on this. It's just going to be like Thomas's stag do in Madrid all over again. And I'm not going back to those dark days. (laughs) No, we still don't speak to Steve, do we? So, you know, lest (laughs) we forget. On the 30th of October, Guy Fawkes just popped down to the undercroft to check on it. Nothing had been disturbed, so he was like, ah, it's all A-OK, innit? Don't worry about (laughs) it. On the 5th of November, 1605, Fawkes took up his station in the undercroft, armed with a slow burn match and a watch given to him by Percy. (laughs) Good luck, son. Unfortunately for him, King James had ordered a search of the undercroft and he was found around midnight and arrested. Claiming that his name was John Johnson, he said he was 35 (laughs) from Netherdale in Yorkshire and that his parents were Thomas and Edith Jackson. When questioned by uh, the King's Privy Chamber as to why he was in possession of so much gunpowder, he replied, to blow you Scotch beggars back to your native mountains. (laughs) He told them that he planned to blow up the House of Lords and that he regretted that he hadn't done it. King James admired his steadfastness, but not enough to prevent him from ordering his torture on the 6th of November, my birthday. King James ordered the gentler tortures are to be first used unto him et sic per gradus at imma tenditur, which means, and so by degrees, proceeding to the worst. Wow. I don't want to find out what the worst is. Do you think that you'd keep quiet under torture? Honestly, I, they'd only have to threaten to just tickle me. <laughs> and I'd be like, here are the names. I didn't want any discomfort or whatsoever. I think that they could gently brush past a <laughs> screwdriver. <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, no, I can't do this. We're going to throw you into an isolation pit. for. And I'm like, stop there. I've already emailed you the names. <laughs> I would set up an email to deliver at a certain time so that <laughs> The second the idea of torture came up, like, just check your emails. It's all there. Mm -hmm. Everything you need to know. I am under no illusion of what I am, and that is a (laughs) coward. (laughs) I have got a yellow streak that is bigger than a double yellow line down the longest road in England. No torture, (laughs) please. Guy Fawkes was transferred to a prison that you might have heard of called the Tower of London. His torture chamber has now become known as the Guy Fawkes Room. (laughs) That's something. Yeah. That's a legacy cast. It is, like the Aidan McCaffrey suite. (laughs) Yeah. Some people get a a park bench. Some people get the room they were tortured in before they were executed by the state. I think either is a win. Sir William Ward, W-A-A-D, I have no idea how you pronounce that. I'm going to call him Ward. (laughs) William Ward, uh, lieutenant of the tower, supervised the torture and obtained Fox confession. 
they wanted to know who the other conspirators were, as you would imagine. Honestly, I think I'd prefer to do the torture than supervise it. I mean, I'd prefer <laughs> neither, but... No, I'm with you. I'd rather sacrifice all my moral standings on torture than be tortured. That's fair. I think that's a decent trade-off. No, no, I mean, supervise it. So you just stood there with a clipboard in the background <laughs> watching. Because it would be both boring and horrendous, wouldn't it? I'm a fan of admin and organisation. So if I can just <laughs> stand there going, screws driven under nails, tick. Stretched to point of almost death, tick. Uh, waterboarded, tick. I'm quite lunch now, guys. You've done a good, you've got three of them in before lunch and we've only got a couple more to do. So uh, yeah, just meet back here and take a long one. Hour and a half. See you then. Yeah. I don't know about you, lads, but I am hooped. Guys, I'm literally just ticking a box. I, I'm, can I listen to a podcast while 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 <laughs> you do this? I've made a Spotify playlist for us while we work. I'll just I'll just whack it on quietly in the background. Yeah, got Taylor Swift on there. Bit of do a leaper. Taylor Swift's really gone in a folky direction, hasn't she? What? <laughs> I can't hear you over the screen. I said like a nice folky direction. It's actually reminiscent of her early work in Tim McGraw. It's a bit like she's come full circle. I said it's a bit like she's come full circle as an artist. (laughs) So he lasted until the 7th of November, and that's when he gave in and revealed his true identity and that there were five other co-conspirators. I think there were about 13 of them in the end, but they're like the five main ones. Uh, on the 8th of November, he revealed their names and their plan to install Princess Elizabeth on the throne. On the 9th of November, he implicated Francis Tresham. The trial began on Monday the 27th of January 1606, with eight of the conspirators being transferred from the Tower of London to Westminster Hall by barge, which must have been quite exciting. <laughs> didn't matter that they were heading towards almost certain death. Oh, yeah. It's got a nice view of the Thames Bridge. Nice little selfie for Instagram. Boom. You're burning to death on a, on a funeral pyre. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I would have preferred to have been burnt to death than what happened to these lads. How do we think that Fox pleaded? He's quite pious. He always said something wankerish like, I'm only guilty of defending the Catholic right to rule England or something. No, he just pled not guilty. Oh, <laughs> that's uh, I mean, they were, of course, all found guilty of high treason and sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered. So the plan was, the general vibe uh, for for the day uh, was going to be that they were going to be uh, hung until they were nearly dead, uh, drawn backwards by a horse, have their genitals cut off and burnt before their eyes, their bowels and hearts removed. I imagine they're probably dead at that point, uh, <laughs> and then decapitate them with all their bits being displayed so the birds could eat them. This is what happens when people don't have Netflix. <laughs> Kath, what would you have done if I barbecued your vagina in front of you while you were, while you were just standing there on some ducks? I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you anymore. <laughs> sure. Aiden, if you did that, the podcast is done. I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Leicester Festival's off for one thing. 100%, which we are doing, 9pm uh, yeah. at the Globe. Um, yes. Can't remember on what date. I'm Friday sure. the 9th? Yeah, that sounds right. Friday the 9th. You can come and see my show if you want beforehand. Don't do not do that. Just come and see our show. No, um... no, come and see my show. I have a Catholic on. <laughs> what time's your show? Uh, half seven. So you're doing it back to back? Yeah, baby. I can't afford to come to Leicester twice. So what you're saying is, energy-wise, I'm going to have to carry the show. Is that, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Fair enough. And you're also right in this show. So I wrote the last it is definitely Friday the 9th, 9pm, and the day after I'm doing a stand-up show with Pete Kinsella, he's a funny guy, uh, at exactly the same place, at exactly the same time, 9pm The Globe, Friday and Saturday, come and see some comedy people at Leicester, Leicester 2024. Yeah, um, and on that, um, it was the 31st of January 1606 when the conspirators were killed. Fawkes was the last to be killed, and he jumped at the hanging stage, meaning that he broke his neck and didn't have to see his dick get burnt in front of his eyes, which <laughs> I think was a solid move on his part. I think he's won in many ways. He did, but hilariously, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but I think it is, they continued with the drawing and quartering nonetheless, and his <laughs> body parts were distributed to the four corners of the kingdom to put others off doing crimes. Who needs the police? Uh, when you will literally hack somebody to death publicly. <laughs> 35 years old he was when he uh, passed away peacefully. Still hot. On that noose. <laughs> Still hot. Actually, he's 25% as hot because he has been quartered. 
But when you start out as hot as he does, 25% hot, still pretty good. Which quarter would you have? What which quarter of forks would I bang? <laughs> yeah. Quite tough, this, because the penis is so central to the body, as is the asshole. They've all essentially been quartered as well, haven't they? Probably, yeah. I See, I've had this conversation with my boyfriend. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's, what are the quarters? Because like, the head's obviously got to be one on its own, right? Oh, you're thinking of a horizontal quartering. So I'm thinking head, two arms, two legs, torso, but that's six, right? <laughs> so are we keeping the... So is it head... Arms, two arms count as one, two legs count as one, and then the torso counts as one. Well, you've made it easy then, because if, if arse down is one, you just take the bottom half, because you can still bum it. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, because it would be like the so the torso just without the head, legs, and arms. Oh, so it's like the stomach and the pelvis. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, I'll take that. Because the way I imagined it was worse, I sort of literally imagined it as like a quartering, as in... <laughs> A cross in the centre of the body. So you've mm-hmm. essentially got a leg and half a stomach, a leg and half a stomach, and then like two sets of arm, shoulder, and half head. Mm-hmm. I think that that'd be hard to do. Well, it also makes it hard to pick which you then you would keep for your own sexual gratification. I think <laughs> I would keep one of the top halves because, in what I've described, every orifice has been perfectly split in half except the ear hole. So as long as the ear is big enough, you still have an orifice available to you. Uh, thanks for joining us here at Serial Killers <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't get this on All Killer No Filler, let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that episode yet. But um, <laughs> the, truth be told, I like my men uh, alive and whole. <laughs> don't, don't know about you. I, I want them to be receptive. Guy Fox, would you bang him uh, when he was whole? He is hot. I, well, is he thick? Collectively, they seem quite stupid, don't they? Th- there is a bit of a four lions element to this whole thing. Probably it up with. Yeah. It's the fact that they let it slip that it's happening. They know they've done this. Yeah. And yet they still stick to the date and exactly the same plan anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a no. Mm. Well, also, not not a big fan of assassinating political leaders. It's not my bag. I mean, to be fair, I think the world would have been made a better place with a few well-placed assassinations. <laughs> well, sure. Hey, we all wish the Valkyrie operation to kill Hitler had gone off, but alas, mm-hmm. it didn't. But then I always think there's just some other cunt waiting in the wings, isn't there? Yeah, it's like Rishi Sunak. Sure, if it's him or Boris, I'll take Sunak as my prime minister. Yeah, but neither's good. It's just the least cunty kid in cunt camp, isn't it? Especially with that party. Yeah, it's like, do you want to be punched in the balls or kneed in the balls? <laughs> punched, I think, because I think you can get more power behind a knee. Mm. A kneeing. Yeah. All are terrible, and if you could stop it, you would. Exactly. And that's what these lads were just try- <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> no, I... Obviously, I disagree with the murder of, of all of those people. You know what? I am a little bit embarrassed to admit this, right? <laughs> Until like my mid-twenties, I want to say, I genuinely believed that the bonfire night was a celebration of someone who tried. They had a go. <laughs> all right, they didn't do it. But you know what? They had the balls to give it a go. They put the money where the mouth is. <laughs> Bonfire night used to be called get up and go night. Because those yeah. guys, they had a bit of vim. Some people want to assassinate the, the monarch and they can't be fucking arsed. These guys, they were fucking out there yeah. with the stupid hats. Yeah. The barrels of TNT that had gone off six months earlier. They were doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It never entered my mind that it might have been a celebration that he didn't do it. <laughs> How did you figure it out in the end? I don't know. I was just being told a bit of information that I'd heard a thousand times and already knew. And then, you know, when it just clicks and you're like, oh, my God, oh, I'm such an idiot. I love the idea of you at a bonfire night with your sparkler uh, watching it. And there's like a moment of silence between you and your then partner. And you just go, they gave it a good go, didn't they? And that's why we're here. And your boyfriend goes, what? You know, they gave it a good go, all forks and that. And uh, that's why we're celebrating this day every year. And he's just like, um, 
let's sit down. I've got, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> and can you imagine how, what kind of a historical event that would be to look back on if they'd have done it? Because Brainiac Science Abuse did an experiment, didn't they, to see what damage would have been caused. Yes. Had they managed to do it. I don't Did you see that episode? No. Oh, it fucking worked. It, <laughs> oh boy, it would have proper, proper worked. It would have been like dropping a match on a petrol station forecourt. It mm. would have worked. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that Fox thought that he was getting away from that at all. <laughs> to the continent to spread the word, apparently. Yeah, I, I think I still would. Because what, life... Yeah was short and cruel in those days. Hang on, are you saying yes to Forks? Yeah. Why? It was always a solid yes. Oh, Kath, oh, if you say yes, he's on the biotap lattice forever. Yeah. It means if someone makes it for us, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. a fan will one day, <laughs> whether it's in digital form or they actually try and sew this fucker together, mm-hmm. Guy Forks will be on there. Yeah. He'll be fucking next to Anita Berber. Yeah. No! Fun, can you imagine a night out between them two? She's there with her rose, swirling it around in a chloroform bowl. He's pissed that she's showing tits, and also <laughs> delighted that she's showing tits. The monkey's there as well. He tries cocaine for the first time. Well, I reckon if he'd have had a party with her, he probably wouldn't have ended up doing it. He'd have been like, actually, I'm going to abandon my faith. This mm. godless German chick is showing me, you can have a lot of fun. I am part of the Church of the White Powder now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know, I really regret... I, I, I've, I made the barrier for entry to the biotech attitude so low because I've always said, as long as one of us says yes, they get on. I really wish I'd made it. It has to be unanimous or they get yeah. on. He's a terrorist! Yeah, but uh, women like bad boys. We think we're better than people, but we're not. Isn't it? I, I think we are better than Guy Fawkes. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I thought you'd have been on board because, you know, with him being um, Catholic and stuff. <laughs> I'm a lapsed Catholic. <laughs> I'd argue that he was as well. That's not really turning the other cheek. He's thick, though. It's not even like he's good at it. It's not even like he was, was a good political assassinator. He's just an idiot who can barely arrange a, well, not a pizzip in a brewery, can't arrange an explosion in a massive hallway full of TNT. <laughs> Yeah, you think that you would, when you heard people coming, just light the match, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm dead now, so I can either die slowly or just blow us all up. Well, he he probably thought he could talk his way out of it. (laughs) They always do, don't they? Again, thick. This is why I don't think he should be on the biotop. He's he's fit, yeah, but he's thick. He shouldn't be on there. I would like to counter this argument by (laughs) saying that in those times, as a woman, I probably would not have been uh, receiving too high a quality of education and would probably have died in childbirth aged 17. So I would probably be thick and he would probably seem like the most clever and interesting and cool guy in the world. And yeah. I know that you don't like the fashion, but I do. And I like a beard and a hat. So <laughs> Reese always wears hats and he always has a beard. You're not lying. I've got a type. <laughs> to be fair, he has never blown up anything. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Sunak's got a good year before he calls that election. Mm-hmm. So. Although he does rent an undercroft in the House of Lords. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said red flags up, calf. You should have swiped left as soon as you found that out. <laughs> To clarify, he doesn't. We don't have that kind of money, uh, and I'd probably be living in it if we did. I can't believe you said no to and you fucking put Guy Fawkes on the fucking biotech history. Because was the man, isn't he? <laughs> so as long as they have a counterculture attitude to authority, they'll, they'll go on. Yeah. Can't wait for the fucking Hitler episode. Oh, yeah, but he was sticking <laughs> it to the Weimar Republic and the Treaty of Versailles. You've got to respect yeah, but then that. <laughs> Hitler became the man, so it's still a no to Hitler. Stop trying to make me say I'd fuck Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying if Guy Fawkes had succeeded, he would have technically become the man because the queen that he put in power would have then favoured him as a figure of authority. You're saying you, w- you wouldn't have had sex with him because he'd become the man. Possibly not, because I remember learning about Oliver Cromwell as a kid, and 
being like, oh, look at him taking on the king. Oh, that's so sexy. And then <laughs> they killed the king and he became, in many ways, worse. And you're like, well, I'll be honest, I had a wide on and then I didn't. <laughs> I can't believe he's like, you've put... Oh, so annoyed. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. Um, I am delighted at how annoyed you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get someone you fucking hate on this. I don't know who. Next time you do a baddies episode and you're like, Aiden's not going to say yes. I'm just going to be like, no, I don't give a shit anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I'm putting Oswald Mosley on though, out of spite. Out of spite <laughs> to you. Um, Aiden's going to be writing an episode on Bin Laden. So. <laughs> <laughs> Although speaking of fit people who are bad, have you seen his wife, Oswald Mosley's wife? No. Did you listen to that podcast I recommended about? <laughs> of course I didn't. <laughs> There's like these really fit, um, oh, what are they called, the Mitford sisters or something? And they were yeah. like really posh, fucking stunningly beautiful, like posh sisters in sort of the 30s and 40s. But all of them except one were mega fascists. <laughs> and, and the one that wasn't went totally the other way. She was a communist who literally went to Sp- Spain to fight in the Civil War. And then the really hot one, and they were already all quite hot anyway, but the really super hot one married fucking Oswald Mosley. Yes, I've got her, Diana Mosley. Diana Freeman Mitford died aged 93 in 2003 in Paris, France. She got a divorce in 1932. Good for her. Yeah, but not from Mosley, though. That's from her first husband. I've just, I wrote a bit for this, Kath, for this episode. I'll just read it before we finish. Yeah, go on. You do you. For American listeners who, who aren't aware, after they foiled the gunpowder plot, every year they'd burn, I think initially they were burning effigies of Guy Fawkes for Bonfire Night, weren't they? Mm-hmm. But it continues to this day. Now you just have a big fire, <laughs> an indistinct fire, and no one really talks about the fact that it's for Guy Fawkes. But that is what it stems from. We still have them. It's a big day in England. Yeah, fireworks. Barclays. Don't take a shell suit. Uh, oh my god no. and then you have like little um bonfire toffees and black peas it used to be in the good old days before health and safety got involved <laughs> you you could just go down to a local car park and in the days leading up to it just throw whatever you wanted that you had to get rid of onto <laughs> this fight onto this just pile of shit and then there was a big advertising campaign in my childhood uh, because hedgehogs would go into them to curl up oh, for the winter, no. and uh, the people wouldn't. So it was check your bonfire, because hedgehogs go in and die to get set on fire. <laughs> so it used to be you do that, and then you, you go down on bonfire night, and you'd light the fire up, and you'd take all your own fireworks that you'd buy at the supermarket, and then you go <laughs> down to the local car park. With your children. Yeah, with your kids. It's absolutely a family function. You take your four-year-old down and listen yeah, to some hedgehogs. Yeah, listen to some hedgehogs scream to death while they burn for a crime none of them committed. Yeah, take the dog. Why not? Take, <laughs> take all the dogs. and They yeah. don't need to be on a lead. Uh, <laughs> and then once you've finished your bottles of beer, what you do is you get the rockets and pop them in the bottles of beer empty ones and you you know because you can't really stick it into the ground because that's um it, it's concrete because it's a car park so you uh you put put the the rocket in the bottle light it and sometimes the bottle will fall over and hit a kid or something uh sometimes it'll be bad enough i've i've seen a bottle fall over and hit a kid in the leg you know just a firework <laughs> shoot off and hit a kid in the leg i think a woman got a foot blown off once because it went down a welly all of that shit. And then Brussels got involved and mm-hmm. said, you can't set off what are essentially tiny rockets around children. And that's why I voted for Brexit, because I'm sick of all these bureaucrats in, in Europe telling me that I shouldn't maim kids on November the 5th. Mm-hmm. Apparently explosives are to be controlled. <laughs> the the uh, gunpowder plot is not the only protest aimed at Parliament that has resulted in an annual tradition on 19th of May 2004, Fathers for Justice campaigners threw a flower-filled condom at Tony Blair during Parliament. Uh, ever since then, families have celebrated May the 19th as Wheat Johnny Day, where parents and children gather to watch as their town councils drop a two-ton contraceptive sheath filled with flour, flour. onto UK town squares. <laughs> 
It's good fun. On 8th of June, 1913, suffragette Emily Wilding Davison killed herself after throwing herself in front of the King's horse. We now celebrate this day by sacrificing a men's rights activist each year at the Epsom Derby. Mm-hmm. Ever since this practice started, anti-woke podcasts have decreased by 81%. <laughs> Anyway, I think that <laughs> I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> You've said more than enough there. Uh, thank you so much for yes. listening to us. Uh, have a wonderful bonfire night. Get some fireworks that are far too big for the outdoor space that you have available to you and light them anywhere. Try not to incinerate any hedgehogs. Yeah, but I mean, fuck it if you do, right? Uh, oh, yeah. I don't mean that. I really don't mean that. Uh, I like hedgehogs. You could do what some lads did when I lived in Wilston Green once and just... Um, fire rockets out of the back of a car one uh, at people's windows that was frightening as long as kids are occupied they'll keep them out of trouble exactly they might be launching rocket uh, rockets at your single pane window but mm-hmm. imagine things they could be doing that are worse like their homework yeah that is true and you could also uh, just buy a, a sack of uh, black peas which are only sold in like eight kilogram sacks and uh, you got to boil them up for a week to get them ready. And they only taste nice when you put too much vinegar on them. And you have to eat them for the following three months to get rid of them all. <laughs> Just tradition. Exactly. Right. Have some parking, which is this awful sort of ginger cake that just tastes crap and bland. You know, we eat it anywhere. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please share our stuff on social media. Retweet our promotional tweets. Share our videos to your Instagram stories. Like us on TikTok. It is at HotNotPod across all these platforms. I'm at Aiden McComedy on all those platforms. Kath is at KathMathComedy on all these platforms. We will be doing our live show in Leicester. I know we mentioned that before. At the Globe, uh, Leicester Comedy Festival on uh, Friday the 9th of February uh, at 9pm. Uh, I will be doing my show, um, which is called Please Just Give Me a Chance. Uh, at 7.30pm, uh, also at the Globe, um, Friday the 9th. And uh, Aidan McCaffrey will be doing a show. Is it just Split Bill with you and, and Pete Kinsella? Split Bill with me, Pete Kinsella. It's called Class Holes, and it's on February the 10th at 9pm. Yeah, boom, come and see us. But until then, uh, spread the word, spread your legs, and remember, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside of the coffin that counts. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to Historical Hot or Not, written and created by Aidan McCaffrey and Catherine Mather. The podcast art was by our good friend Richard Todd, and our theme music by excellent musician and also good friend David Eagle. We also have music by Ergo Fismas, letter license from the Free Music Archive. If you've enjoyed us and you would like to donate to the cause, we would love you to do that also. You can find us at ko-fi.com forward slash hotnotpod and you can download bonus episodes of Historical Hot or Not from Acast Plus. The link is available on our link tree, linktree.com forward slash hotnotpod. Bye!